What is up, people? You are listening to another episode of the Imperial Broadcast. I'm your host, Jamari Stewart, joined, as always, by my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, uh, what is up? What's going on? Oh, man. This might be the the most explosive week Yeah, it's pretty explosive, we've had in Star Wars. unfortunately. And pretty explosive. Maybe since we've done this show. I don't know if we've dealt with somebody getting fired, getting axed. Uh, yeah, maybe not some, since uh, not since the directors, Gerardo and and, and uh, Lord and Miller and Lord and Miller. That was that was explosive. Yeah, it's probably the yeah, biggest since Lord and Miller. Um, Lord and Miller. That was a long brewing kind of thing, though. That details came out. Yeah, it was weeks just a, very, a lot of bad stuff. So, yeah. A little similar to this. A lot of just a lot of bad stuff consistently <laughs> on both sides. Right, right, right. This is a very clear, much more clear situation of what happened. Yeah, it was and very the public. Response very public. You know. Um, <laughs> I guess the theory, depending on what side you're on, there's a clear good guy, bad guy um, in this. Right. <laughs> you know, so we'll get to that. We'll get to all that. But obviously, you guys know we're talking about the Gina Carano uh, situation, uh, which we'll get to that uh, in a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, Shamari, obviously, you finished Light of the Jedi. I did. Yes. We're gonna we're gonna really dive into a spoiler breakdown. Yes. Of it. Um, any 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 quick uh, non spoiler thoughts before we get into that later? In the yeah, show? just for those that that may not want to listen to the spoiler review, um, non spoiler that is a very very good book. It's not it wouldn't crack my top ten necessarily, uh, but it's a very very and that's just because there have been so many high, very high quality Star Wars books in the new canon. But it's a very good book. Um, great characters, great characters. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go in depth, but better than all the characters that we've encountered in the sequel trilogy uh, so far. Uh, and I mean it. I, I mean all of them. <laughs> um, so uh, great characters. You know, exciting story. Um, started out a little a little choppy for me, but uh, uh, but it finished very strong. And I'm very excited for what the High Republic has in store for the future. So non-spoiler. That's my review. I highly recommend it. If you want new Star Wars stories. With lots of Jedi and lots of um, tension, then by all means, uh, the Light of the Jedi is a book for you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll get into all the Light of the Jedi stuff uh, later on. Um, we have some other interesting stuff we may we may touch on later as well. But um, I guess we got to start with with the Gina Carano situation. Yeah, so we gotta start with the Gina Carano situation. And I feel like, real quick, we touched on the Gina Carano thing. Not uh, not a ton. Not a ton. Because we don't like talking about politics on this show. Exactly. This is a Star Wars show, but we've brought it up. Yeah. You know, we've made jokes um, at times about it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but we've brought it up uh, in the past. Um, did we ever have, like, a like a full discussion on it? Uh, I no. Like I, maybe, did we ever, in November, did we talk about some maybe. of the tweets? Yeah, possibly. I know she was getting in a lot of trouble yeah, back then as well. Yeah, November so. was when it got really, really uh, shaky. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, this is this has been a long issue, an issue that's been going on for a long time, and um, uh, you know, let's start it, with what happened this week. All right, you want to start with this week? Yeah, we might as well start with this week, and then we can go, go work work back from there. Okay. So this week, uh, Gina Carano had um, uh, put out a tweet. Just the basics of what she said in the tweet. She was comparing uh, uh, conservatives now, and her being a conservative, saying this is happening to her. Comparing conservative, being a conservative now, and I'm guessing supporting Donald Trump. I guess she didn't say that exactly. It was very, right, right. very vague. Yeah. It just is, which is bad, obviously. But right. she, she compared being a conservative now, and or, or having different political ideologies, quote unquote. I believe is a phrasing in the in the actual in the actual image to being a Jew during the Holocaust in the 1930s and having your neighbors, uh, you know, hate you for being Jewish. Yeah. And she uh, said that similar. She said, oh, put in, in the in the image, it states that that is was almost almost just as bad, if not worse. Or it was, yeah. That was, was the real issue. That, that was the real first, issue. That's what started it, I guess. Yeah, that was, yeah, something like that being the underlying issue was right. people hating the Jewish Pe- yeah. The Jewish people, uh, before yeah. they were, you know, the rounded Nazis, up. Yeah. So that was. She was saying that she was equating that to what's happening now. Right. Essentially, uh, which is, 
um, you know, on the just on the face of it, it's a ridiculous comparison in terms of the the magnitude, right, one hundred percent, of what happened and how, you know, and just the just the amount of just the feeling of persecution involved. And I'm not I'm not gonna go in depth with comparing it. It's just, people it's know, a, yeah, everyone knows that that's a ridiculous comparison. Yeah. I'm gonna assume that everyone listening knows that's a ridiculous comparison. Yeah. I'm not going to go in depth in explaining <laughs> yeah, why. why. Yeah, why? It's yeah. easy to th- to find out, you know. So I'm not going to go in depth with that. That's not the purpose. That's not what we're going to. That's not what we do on the show. Right. But that's what. Uh, but that's what she said. In Disney Lucasfilm. Well, first of all, the internet, uh, you know, blew up. Obviously. Yeah. Went ablaze. Hashtag fire. Hashtag fire. Gina Carano was the number one. Number one training for hours. Trend for oh. several several hours again, which is has not the first time this happened. And uh, Disney Lucasfilm responded, and they fired her. So they said that she does no longer work for Lucasfilm and will not be have no plans of working with her. And move that shocked Shamari, especially. I it, I yeah, shocked me. I, I didn't believe Shumari, it. And Shamari was like, "Stop messing with me, man." Yeah, I didn't believe you're it. You're joking. No way they would do that. I didn't believe it at all. And it was true. I was surprised, but Disney uh, decided. And of course, we haven't mentioned, but of course, Gina Carano plays Cardoon. In yeah, she plays Cardoon in The Mandalorian. Um, uh, a good character. I like the character. Yeah. I don't think she did a job, bad job playing the character. Yeah, they, most people enjoy the character to some extent. Um, and, you know, obviously she's in, you know, Deadpool as well. Right. The first Deadpool movie, she's in that movie. And uh, she does a pretty good job in that one as well. But, um, you know, the issue is that this isn't a first-time offense for Gina mm-hmm. Carano, and that's why, um, that's why this isn't. Uh, I can't be mad at Disney uh, on any level, you know, or I can't say Disney went to any uh, extreme, you know, by making this move. Yeah, and, you know, I would have no problem, honestly, if it was a first-time offense because, like you said, what she said was so inflammatory. But for the people that are like, "Oh, Disney," you know, blah blah blah. She, we we had made jokes about this being an issue for months. Yeah, you know this is that had been something that we had brought up that you have someone in Jane Carano who, um, beyond her being politically outspoken, that to me is fine. Um, was was I would say she way I wouldn't even say she's bordering on. I would say she passed uh, the the level of disrespect. I mean, she she went to a level of disrespect in her uh, in her decorum, you know, in, yep. in the way she she behaved on social media. Um, and as a company, if you're a Disney, um, again, this goes back this goes back months, where she's putting out tweets about how the election was rigged when there right. was no evidence of that. Um, you know, it was you know sixty courts, sixty plus courts, you know. Um, Certified, and you know, were, went against that uh, notion because there were there was no evidence to support that claim. Um, you know, the election was finished, and she still claimed that it was uh, and certified. She still claimed it was a rigged election, which, you know, I mean, look, the example was set. You know, but we're not going to even get to get into the stuff with the the, the president or whatever. But right. <laughs> regardless, um, you also had you know situations. She was making jokes about people wearing masks. She was very anti-mask. Um, you know, and all that stuff is like, I mean, it's not great, but again, it starts with, um, and according I, I, I implore people to, you know, we don't really give shout outs or direct people to other people's podcasts and stuff, but no, I, was, I do, <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> sure do. but, uh, you know, I implore people to go listen to, um, the John Campia show. Um, you know, he goes and he breaks down the Gina Carano thing. Really good. Some of his own sourcing, some of it just using the timeline that's been reported and information that's been reported by other sources. Um, but in his video, like he breaks down how, you know, according to his sources, like in November, you know, the stuff she was tweeting um, about, you know, the transgender community, uh, Disney went to her and expressed concern, is the mm-hmm. way he put it. And But they didn't fire her. They just right. expressed concern, saying, you know, we were not. They went to her and her reps. Um, when she was tweeting about rigged elections in November, she 
uh, they Disney went to her and expressed concern. Right. Um, and you know, again, all at, at all these points, whenever these things flared up, this wasn't the first time this thing flared up. It got to a point, probably, it got to a tipping point, a boiling point with the with the with the politics. But um, they continuously expressed concern, and apparently, it got to the point where after a third strike. Disney had a sit-down with Gina Carano, Gordon and John Campia, uh, and her reps at UTA, who dropped her uh, after this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, you can't do this anymore. You know? Like, this is... You're not only hurting, your, you know, yourself, but you're hurting uh, your colleagues, and, you know, you're hurting us as a company, and, you know, you can't, you can't put that on us. And she vowed to stop, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, remember, she publicly apologized for the transgender joke when she said, uh, you know, Pablo, uh, Pedro Pascal had, had talked to her about this. Um, got it mixed up with Pablo Hidalgo for a second. But she said Pedro Pascal had, had, had talked to him about, um, you know, explaining the, the whole pronoun situation. Um, and she made the, the robot joke or whatever, and it was, it was all terrible. But regardless, um, Gina Carano, they, 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 she apologized for it. And then continue to say crazy other crazy stuff, and so she said she would stop saying and you know stop putting out ridiculous commentary on social media or inflammatory com- commentary on social media. Uh, she used to stay quiet, but uh, two months later she decided to start doing it again. Apparently, and this was the last straw. So it's hard for me to be um, to be anything but you know one hundred percent fine with Disney's decision to do this. Given they gave her multiple chances, more chances than many companies would have, more chances than more people would have, because I think they did value her to some level. Mm-hmm. Um, there were reports from the Hollywood Reporter that they wanted to give Cara Dune a, a show at one point, that they planned on announcing it at Disney Investor Day, but that they couldn't because they didn't trust her. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they they pulled that. So, yeah, I mean, it's a lot. Obviously, there's a lot there, but in terms of Disney's decision, I am fine with it. Um, I thought they gave her more than enough chances, and I think she has to understand. Um, and maybe she did. I think she. I think this is more calculated. I think people are probably giving her credit for. It. But um, it, you know, it, I think she has to understand if this wasn't calculated that you know there is a there's a line to everything. You know, and mm-hmm. you can say freedom of speech, but Disney has the freedom to do whatever they want as well. Exactly. And they felt that she crossed the line to the point where they didn't want to associate with her anymore. And yep. they made that decision. Exactly. She went past uh, she went past the line that most people wouldn't have gone. You know, even yep. people with, you know, uh, with what you would say right-wing beliefs. Yeah. I mean, the line is when something is too offensive to too many people. Yeah. She crossed that line many times. Yeah. Uh, Disney's a company. You know, ultimately, the company cares about the bottom line. Yeah. And also... Uh, you know, I would like to think they have some kind of value as people. Right. The people on the board. Are there any Jewish people on the board? Right. You know, are there any Jewish people right. running the, uh, you know, I, I, I was looking it up. I was telling you the other day I was looking it up. J.J. Abrams is Jewish. John Favreau has is, has people related to him of Jewish descent. I'm sure there are people that, of Jew, that, are, that were of Jewish descent that probably worked on the Mandalorian. You know, I'm sure there are black people. That she works with, who support Black Lives Matter, and do not believe that it's a terrorist organization, these inflammatory comments. There's no need for them. There's no need for them. She's a public figure. Disney is a company, private company, selling entertainment. They're they're selling and is they're selling an escape from that stuff. So for her to be so inflammatory and just offensive about it. Uh, is just, she gets what she gets. Yep. You know, it's just, it is what it is. She gets what she gets. And, um, you know, people want to cry cancel culture. She's a public figure. That, that That's not new. Public figures saying horrible things and there being repercussions for it is not a new phenomenon. No. So, so whatever. I, I don't, I don't care. So, so that's really where we stand on it. Not going to go on for too long about it. Right. You know, this is we've talked about right. it. Um, that's what the issue is. Now, kind of, we do also should address, or we should also address the other side. Uh, yeah. So, where do they go from here? So, Gina Carano 
is off of the Mandalorian. She will not be returning. Uh, do you think they will recast? Do you think they will? She will appear in other Star Wars shows. Recast? Oh, recast. Not her. Not Gina Carano. <laughs> I mean, Cara Dune. Do you think Cara Dune will appear in other properties? Recast. Uh, so, what do you think they're going to do about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. They, she put her. She put them in a bad spot. Um, obviously. Uh, but to me, I think you have to nix the character completely. Mm. Um, I think that's the only way you can go forward with this. Um, honestly, I think going forward, continuing the character is honestly honoring Gina Carano's legacy more than need be. Mm. You know, um, I would just say the the character because I feel like the character of Cara Dune hasn't done mu- she hasn't done much. You know, for being no. honest, he's been what like um, four episodes of The Mandalorian. Yeah, I, I, honestly, her her character is is especially easy of all the characters in the Mandalorian. Yeah, her character at this point in her storyline is especially easy to write off. To just ignore. No, she's busy doing something with the with the New Republic. Yeah, boom, gone. Yeah. Like there's no yeah. there's no need to ever address it again. Yeah, and in terms of like the legacy of the character, like if she never appears again, like where does Cara Dune rank in the pantheon of Star Wars characters? She's really low. Yeah, exactly. she's really low. She's been in four episodes of Mandalorian. She hasn't done that much. Like, if you give her own show, now we're starting. To, now she's starting to move way up the list. You know, if you make her a main character in one of these shows, now she's moving way up the list. But right now, um, there was hope and there was optimism that she was going to have more stories going forward right. to expand on her character and mm-hmm. other mediums. Maybe it's not even in, you know, in, in a visual format. Maybe it's in a book. Maybe it's in, you know, a comic. But. Um, yeah, to me, you, you can move on from the character. You don't have to. You don't have to continue it. You can recast, but to me, that's just awkward. Um, you know, like could she be in the Bad Batch, potentially? But I don't see any reason to do that at this point. You know, um, yeah. you know, if you want to bring her animated, but uh, they messed up in casting Gina Carano. Like they're making the character crafted around her. But you know, you, you make mistakes sometimes. But you know, it just include another character. Yeah. Like you said, her character doesn't need to be included. Um, and I, for one, I always thought that she was supposed to be in Rangers of the New Republic. That was my assumption. That that was going to be an in-part Cara Dune show. Mm-hmm. But they didn't say that for yeah. very specific reasons. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think they knew, especially considering the reporting that they had they had plans to, do, to announce a show for her and they did it because of the strife that was going on. That suggests that that was in their mindset when they were announcing all of the shows. Yeah. So they were very careful not to once mention her character. Yep. In case something like this were to arise. And again, her character again is, even if she she was supposed to be in central to that show, you can easily write it so that that's not the case. Yeah. You can replace her with some other Republic character. Yeah. And it would be just as good, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, very quickly, one thing I do want to say, just 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 to, to, just to address the people saying that this all. Oh, you know, going along with the kind of persecution angle of conservatives in Hollywood. You know, she wasn't arguing that for tax cuts. Uh, <laughs> you know, she wasn't arguing for, you know, she wasn't saying she's pro-life. Right. You know, though I, I believe she did say that at one point. But that's not... That's, that's, that's not, not what anybody... That's not what anybody has an issue with. Saying that she should be fired for. Yeah. No one has an issue with that. She wants to say that stuff. That's perfectly fine. That she would not have been fired for saying anything like that. Nope. She would not have been fired... For saying, you know, cops are heroes or whatever, you know, (laughs) anything like that. She would not have been fired for saying anything like that. You know, it's when it gets to that level of just really inflammatory and offensive and just I mean, like really inflammatory to minorities. And and just these companies don't want anything to do with that because they know that people just generally don't like that. Yeah. So that's what the issue is. And if. You know that. So what? I'm not saying she can't get any work anywhere, or that she shouldn't get any jobs ever for anything else. But for the for this purpose, they didn't want her to keep her around. I support that, and I think they made the right decision. So, you know, the situation is what it is. Uh, they did what they did. The character is easily easily replaceable. I don't really feel bad for Gina Carano. I don't really feel bad for the Cara Dune character. She was all right. She was fine. I enjoyed the character while she was here, but. Uh, you know, it's, I feel like it's pretty easy for us to move on from there. Uh, but all right, with all that being said, 
we can move on uh, to the next topic we have going on uh, for this show. Uh, so, uh, a little bit of good news uh, to go along with some of the more dramatic, uh, you know, political kind of stuff we got going on, the firings and whatnot. Um, it seems like Iden Versio, uh, Janina Gavankar's character, uh, may be making an appearance, hopefully, um, uh, in the Star Wars universe again. Uh, potentially, whether it be live action, whether it be in something something else, something animated, another game, who knows. Uh, but Janina Gavankar herself uh, had uh, tweeted about it. Uh, in response to uh, someone asking her on Twitter um, what Iden Versio was up to during the time of the Mandalorian. And she posted on Twitter uh, tagging the two uh, writers of the Battlefront 2 story saying, do you want to let them know? Which, honestly, I'm just going to be honest, I feel like they have something. I feel like they they have something uh, that they're just waiting to reveal, or that at the very least they're pitching very hard, right? Uh, to Lucasfilm and the writers themselves even added more smoke to that fire, uh, saying things like, um, "Whether you're a Mandalorian or a Ranger, I can't think of anyone better to have in your corner, other than Iden Versio." So I mean, they're they're adding smoke to this fire. So I am very excited. I very much enjoyed the Iden Versio character. I like her story. I like her, her, her uh, des- character design and the whole the whole idea of this uh, of this uh, Inferno squad. Uh, so I'm in. I'm fully in support of Iden Versio showing up in something else. Uh, Bekeno, how do you feel about Iden, Iden Versio possibly showing up uh, somewhere in the Mandalorian timeline or in the Mandalorian itself? Um. It, I mean, I think it makes sense, you know. I think when they put the amount of work cinematically they did in Battlefront, um, or Battlefront 2, rather, uh, you know, that suggested that um, there was potential for them to cross over these characters to live action or animation at some point. Um, and, I mean, Iden Versio is somebody that they certainly propped up as the face of the game and somebody that would be recognizable, I think, to a lot of Star Wars fans. Um, and a lot of fans that maybe aren't, like, your, you know, your biggest Star mm-hmm. Wars fan and knows every bit of extended, extended material. But if they play the games, Battlefront's a very popular game, um, it would recognize Iden Versio in The Mandalorian, you know? Right. So, um, and The Mandalorian's obviously super popular, so I think, like, probably 75% is it may be a low number, but seventy five would say seventy five percent of the people that have played Battlefront have probably watched the Mandalorian. <laughs> you know. Uh, right. I think it's probably a strong correlation to the two. So yeah, I think, I think it makes sense to wanna bring in uh Iden Versio to some of this extended material. Um you know, obviously we talked about Cardian's character may not be in the picture going forward, so you may feel like you want to introduce a new female Maybe not lead, but another female recurring character. We right. know that um, uh, Ming Na Wen's, uh, I never forget her, I always forget her name. Um, Fennec Shan. Yeah, Fennec Shan uh, is going to be in Book of Boba Fett, so she might be off the off the board. Um, we know Bo Katan will probably have a continued role in season three, um, but they may feel like, you know, uh, we want to add someone else as well. I guess I have a question of, you know, I think, I mean, I think it would actually probably make sense for her to be, more sense for her to be in Rangers of the New Republic, no? Given her story. Uh, that's true. That's, 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 yeah. uh, I think that's a good point. Um, so it would be interesting if that's how, that was, that was what Rangers was about. She was one of the main characters. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be really cool. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it also wouldn't surprise me. Um, now, I didn't finish Squadrons, but if she were involved in Squadrons in some way. Oh, Rogue Squadron? No, this game. Oh, just a game. Wow. <laughs> so that wouldn't surprise me either. Like, like is she in the game now? Is what you're asking? Um, <laughs> like, well, I don't know if she's in the game now. To be, right, right, to be honest, right, I haven't right, heard any. Right, I haven't right, heard any yeah, smoke yeah, about yeah, it, so right. I don't I feel think like so. That would be, yeah, I feel like that would have been out already. Yeah, so I, I, I don't believe she is. But if she were in some kind of sequel or DLC, yeah, 
sequel, DLC, or some kind of written material to go adjacent to it. Right. And I wouldn't right. be surprised if that were the case as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that there is a chance that she shows up in The Mandalorian. I think there is a good chance she may show up in Rangers of the New Republic as well. But I think it is... Um, if I had to put a percentage on it at this point in time, with the, with this amount of smoke uh, that that they're that they're adding to this kind of Iden Versio fire, I well, first of all, I'd say there's about a ninety percent chance she shows up in something else uh, at this point. With them advocating for her this hard, you know, I don't think that happens if you don't think there's a chance or a good chance that she's going to show up again. Um. You know, and with the writers uh, saying that as well, like no, I I think that's I think that's because they know that that she's gonna come back again. I think there's about probably about a sixty-five to seventy percent chance that she shows up in something live action. I think that's kind of the next step, as you said. It was very a very cinematic uh, story in Battlefront Two, and I'm not certain, of course, but I think it was fairly well received. I don't th- I don't think anyone disliked the story. Most of the complaints were that the story was too short, from what I've seen, which it is a short story, a fairly short story. You can complete it pretty quickly, um, but I haven't heard any complaints about it being a bad story. And she's a character you can easily use in other things, like a, a game, a TV show, you know, a, a movie. Um, and just just to very briefly for anyone that may not know, uh, Iden Versio is a Tie Fighter pilot. Um, who uh, was in a squadron called Inferno Squad, uh, which was a Tie Fighter squad. It's also, it was a it was a Tie Fighter squadron, but they had a mix of different people. They had tech people. They had other other uh, people. It's almost like an it's almost like a it was like a, a Tie Fighter squad mixed with like a spy almost right. uh, squad. So they were very um, you know they're like special uh, troopers uh, for the Empire, and they continued working after the second death star blew up uh so uh so they were very important uh to the empire and Iden versio was a member of this squadron um and uh she eventually defected to the new republic uh where which led to her her and her daughter being active during the time of the new republic and during the time of the sequel trilogy uh so so it makes sense that she would show up during this Mandalorian time period, um, so I think she will show up again. Wow! Yeah, I, I think she will. I, I think I think it makes a lot of sense. They're st- the people at Lucasfilm, at least in, outside of the the Skywalker saga, they're doing a very good job of piecing everything together, making sure everything feels neat, feels tidy. You know, characters aren't just introduced and then they just fall to the wayside and are never used again. Especially characters that people like. I think Iden Versio, Janina Gavankar's character, is someone that char- that that Star Wars fans like, and her story is intriguing. It's a good story. So uh, yeah, I think they're gonna use her again. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I I don't feel that strongly, okay. but these signs are their signs are lining that they'll probably bring her back. They're good signs. At least. Yeah, they're definitely good signs. Uh, I don't think she'd be talking about it if there was no smoke. Because um, that's her character. This isn't like uh, an actor who doesn't play a character, uh, right? Advocating for a character, you're advocating to play the character. This is somebody who has played the character, is the character. It's the only version of the character we've ever seen, and is making hints that she's gonna, she could be coming back. So, I would take that. Uh, I would take that as, as something, not nothing. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I agree with that. Um, so hopefully, we do see her again. I like Iden Versio from West and Gina, Gina Kavankar. She seems pretty cool, so I am definitely in support of her getting more work at Lucasfilm. All right, so the next uh, story we have is revolving Kevin Feige. This will be a much shorter story because it's it isn't very much of a story, but it is worth discussing just because it's a thing that Feige has said <laughs> with regards to Star Wars, and I think it's important that, that we uh, bring it up as well. Uh, so Kevin Feige has clarified... Um, that there will not be a Star Wars MCU or Marvel Cinematic Universe crossover. Um, so he's saying this in, in response to rumors that have been swirling around on the internet 
um, about uh, such a crossover uh, happening. And of course, WandaVision is active right now. So there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the MCU. And uh, uh, which WandaVision is a show in the cinematic universe on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in, in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Kevin Feige, who is the head of that universe, is doing a great job uh, in orchestrating everything there. And he's also working on a Star Wars movie uh, later on. Uh, we don't know. I don't believe we have an exact date or timeline for that. I'm not sure. but No, we don't know what that is yet. Yeah, we don't know what it is or exactly when it's coming out. But it's supposed to, supposedly he's working on it. Uh, so that will be coming out at some point. But he has said that uh, there are no plans for any kind of Marvel Cinematic Universe star wars crossover i am not saddened by this i uh would, did not ask for this i don't necessarily want to see this i mean if it's if it was more of an easter egg a tiny maybe cameo in multiverse of madness which is a doctor strange movie that's that's coming out uh, uh soon uh you know i mean i wouldn't go crazy but it wouldn't necessarily excite me that much either I'd be like, oh okay and then that would be it uh, so I don't know. Gonna, how do you how do you feel about about this confirmation or debunking? Um, to me, uh, this is an odd uh, yeah, this is an odd story to to, to talk about. Um, because I don't think I, I don't think anybody really expected to get a Marvel Star a Marvel and Star Wars uh, crossover. Um, not in the movies, uh, you know. If it was a television project. Uh, Animated project, uh, Lego, Marvel, right. and Star Wars crossover. That's fine. I, <laughs> right. I'd actually be fine with that. I think that'd be cool. Right. Um, and live action, that, that would just be weird. Um, I don't think it's doable. Um, <laughs> you know, right. a video game, you know, like a Marvel versus Star Wars game or something. Like, again, something that's doable, I guess. Um, but yeah, there's no there's no way a live action Marvel and Star Wars property ever come out. He said, Multiverse Man, that's a nice theory that, they, that there could be a cameo of a Star Wars character um, but other than that, you know, leave, let's leave that to, uh, the guys at screw attack, um, <laughs> and death battle for them to, to, to decide who would win in a fight between Darth Vader and Dr. Doom. Um, but no, this is, uh, this is not going to happen. Uh, I'm glad it's not going to happen, honestly. Um, but yeah. there are other mediums where I think this, this kind of stuff could work. Um, so hopefully, you know, I guess technically Kevin Feige is, uh, He's the head of all departments at Marvel now, so you uh, get green light uh, other yeah. other areas where they want. Oh, they have Marvel comics, I guess. They're doing yeah. Star Wars comics. So. Yeah, you know, comics could be another avenue for them to pursue this. But um, or what if if they continue to do the what if show on Disney Plus, if they do a what if uh, all the Star Wars characters. Um, but yeah, I'm uh yeah I, I I I'm thumbs up on Kevin Feige turning this down, but uh I get. I guess in, to some level I get the people talking about it now that Kevin Feige is involved, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I pretty much feel the same way. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Not particularly sad about it. Um, and it's not something I ever really asked for. I feel like this is more something that something that you dream up. You know, maybe you'll write a, a comic on it. You know, maybe we get a comic at some point. Maybe a, maybe a one-shot comic. Similarly, you know, Darth Vader fighting Superman or you know things along those lines but nothing nothing mcu can, nothing canonically <laughs> right. uh, linking those universes is not something i'm particularly interested in uh all right so can i want us to wrap the show talking about light of the jedi uh so full disclosure uh this is a spoiler review it's very spoiler heavy i will be spoiling the book for you if you have not read the book uh so uh with that being said if you have not read the book and you don't want to be spoiled you should be ending the podcast here. We, of course, we thank you for listening as always, and we hope to see you again in the next show. Uh, but with that being said, uh, we can jump into our spoiler review of Light of the Jedi. Now, as I said at the top of the show, Kendall, I did finish Light of the Jedi. I did very much enjoy Light of the Jedi. Um, I kind of want to briefly go through the events of the li- of Light of the Jedi because they shoot they they kind of they launch the High Republic era. I feel like that's important. Because this is a new era of Star Wars. And so this is what a lot of the new stories that we're getting in the Star Wars universe post the Skywalker saga. Uh, a lot of this is where a lot of those stories are going to be taking place. And these are the characters that we're going to be dealing with. Uh, now, to kind of just go through the events 
Um, the first thing I want to do is kind of just go through the events in a chronological order in the book. So you have this part one. It's split up into three parts. Part one is the Great Disaster. We've briefly talked about the Great Disaster before. Um, now to go into much into a slightly greater detail on it. So there's a ship flying through hyperspace. One of the Nihil ships, which the Nihil are the enemies in this book. They're a marauder group, the Outer Rim. I'm going to go in depth <laughs> about them in a little bit. Uh, but one of their ships crosses through the hyperspace lane, which is, you know, crazy. And the ship going through hyperspace tries to evade and it rips apart. And it causes, basically, it's almost like a light speed or almost light speed meteor shower flying towards this sector that I believe is called the Hetzal uh, System. And there's a planet called Hetzal Prime that's in grave danger of being destroyed, essentially, uh, by this by this vessel, you know, hurtling, crashing through light speed, through hyperspace. And and uh, and it starts out with that crisis. That is the great disaster. The Jedi is introduced to a bunch of Jedi in the beginning of the book. It's, I'm not going to lie. The beginning of the book is a little uh, muddled for me. There's a lot of Jedi <laughs> in this book. There's a lot of characters in general in this book that you're introduced to in the first part. I'm not going to even bother trying to get all their names because uh, it's a lot of characters. Uh, but there's a lot of them in this book. Right. So um, so the Jedi are trying to prevent this this these this the, the, these ship pieces from hitting this system and destroying planets and causing chaos and killing billions of people. Uh, so uh, the Jedi, there's several different Jedi Um uh, the main Jedi who's on the cover of the book and who's one of my favorite Jedi in the universe is Avar Chris. Uh, she's, Chris the, yeah. she's the blonde-haired uh, woman that's on the front of the, the book cover, uh, front and center. Uh, she is front and center in this book, uh, throughout the book. She is a Jedi master. She has the ability to connect people. She's almost like a, almost like a radio transmitter like a human radio transmitter through the force, she can connect other Jedi or connect all the Jedi with each other and communicate with them through the force. Uh, so, which is a very interesting ability. So, um, uh, so that, so she has that ability and it's really remarkable. And she uses that to link all the Jedi together so they can collectively communicate with one another, one another and, and try to fix this crisis. Uh, and these, and she, and, and these are people that are communicating that are like pl several planets away. So this is not just, you know, they don't need a hollow thing to take out and have it on hand or anything to communicate. They're all just linked together. So this is a very, very useful ability. Um, so her, uh, there is a uh, Jedi named, uh, named Elzar Mann, uh, who we'll get into him later on, but he's also another Jedi master, um, uh, who's also on the cover of the book as well. Um, uh, there are there is a uh, a Twi'lek named Loden Greatstorm and his Padawan Bel Zedifar, uh, who are also trying to save people during this crisis. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of Jedi. There's a Wookiee Jedi, uh, and the the uh, Wookiee Jedi is Boriaga. I have a whole I have a whole diagram here of all these Jedi here. Right. It's a lot of characters, as you can see. It's yeah. a lot of characters. Uh, there's a lot more even. I'm showing Kendall the, the diagram right now. Uh, so there's a lot of people uh, involved. There's a lot of linkages and Padawans and Masters. and there's a, There are a lot of different people, uh, characters that, you, that you're keeping track of. And as you can imagine, in the beginning of the book, it's kind of like, okay, all these characters. I'm like, who are these people, right? Yeah. And some of them are dying. And I'm just like, I didn't even know who this was. And yeah. they're dying in the beginning of the book. You know, So it's hard for me to, to be attached to really. Yeah. Um, uh, but so that happens. They narrowly avoid a massive catastrophe because one of the one of the uh, uh, one of the uh, debris that was flying at a near light speed and it was heading that had all this uh, to all this uh, uh, Tabana gas was heading towards a star of the system. It was going to destroy the whole system. It was going to destroy all the, all the planets, all the people, everybody. Uh, so they narrowly, narrowly. Of, uh, avoid that disaster by having all the Jedi linked together. Try to pull that, pull the debris out of that trajectory, out of the stars, uh, the stars' path, uh, so they can um, avoid that from happening. And they did. Some of the Jedi even died during that process, uh, but they did. 
Uh, so they were able to do it. Uh, and that is the first part. And it ends with introducing us to the Nihil. And uh, so that's the Great Disaster. Now, just in, to go over the first part, the Great Disaster, um, in the beginning, and I told Kendall this earlier before, I was not the biggest fan of the Great Disaster. I thought compared to things like Order 66 and compared to the destruction of Alderaan, the destruction of the of the Hosnian system, the destruction of Jeddah, I thought it was a little, a little, like, uh, you know, I mean, is this, is this as, I mean, it's a bad disaster. A lot of people died. Millions of people died. Several millions of people died. Um, so it was a very bad thing that happened, obviously. You know, but is it something that you would warrant calling a great disaster, right? It seemed to have been something that was very random, you know, uh, you know, incident that happened, um, you know, and uh, it didn't, it just didn't seem, and just in how it was written as well, it didn't seem to be that much of a disaster. It seemed bad. Right, right. But, you know, it also seemed kind of like a triumph because they prevented probably billions if not trillions of people from dying. Right. So I was kind of like, <laughs> you know, I was kind of like, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's a disaster. I mean, it's bad, you know, but is it the great disaster, the great disaster, quote unquote, that, you know, that, that they've been talking about for months and months that I was supposed to be getting in this book. So part one, I was not totally sold on the book. I, I was still enjoying it, but, uh, you know, but I wasn't totally sold on it. You know, you know, they had these additional ships called uh, there's these new starfighters called Vectors, and and they had these long things called long beams as well uh, that Jedi used to. So it's very different from the starfighters that we have now, or, or in the you know the X wings and the A wings and the in the, uh, the uh, Ties and all the other ships that we get during the during the uh, during the, um, uh, the original trilogy timeline, the sequel trilogy timeline. Um, uh, so it's very interesting. In the vectors, they actually use lightsabers to power uh, the the weapons in the ship, which is very interesting as well. So you have to plug the lightsaber in; it's almost like a key. Yeah. Uh, so it's very interesting. Um. Uh. So, so I like I like the technology. It's very new, very different. I like the aura, the aesthetic is very regal almost. You know, they really seem like an order, whereas in the prequels and the in even the original trilogy, they can seem almost like a like a derelict kind of like cult. Right. You know, but just a bunch of guys in rags sitting in a, in a circle, you know, talking to each other about how they need to be one with the force. Here, they actually seem like an like an order, you know, like they have a, 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 a real kind of meaningful standing in the galaxy, not just in terms of their power, but also in their meaning as Jedi, as protectors of the galaxy to the people, you know. So I think that is. You can really, you really get that sense throughout the throughout this book, and I very much enjoy that. Now, the second part of this book is called the Paths. Now, during this part, we're getting we're getting much more in depth with the Nihil and who they are, and how they operate, and how they orchestrated this great disaster. So, uh, so the leaders of the Nihil are called the Tempest. So there are these three leaders. Um, uh, they are. Uh, so they're essentially the leaders of the organization. They're a, mar they're a gang of marauders based in the Outer Rim who are just, they're all out for themselves. You know, kind of, the, I'm, I'm not going to go too, kind of just your standard kind of typical pirate group out for themselves, trying to get power, money, you know, you know, ha kind of really very much a you only live once kind of mentality, like right. any gang. Right. You know, but it gets really menacing um, later on, which uh, you know, I'm going to get into in just a second. Uh, so they have these three leaders. They're called Tempests. Uh, their names are Lorna D, uh, Pan Eta, and uh, Kasov. Uh, so there's three lead. There three different leaders. Um, they are. Uh, so they're basically in charge of running the groups, and and they they have this voting system where they vote on on what what they need to do. And there's this other guy named Martian Rowe. Now he ends up being the big bad of the book, basically, essentially, uh, or essentially he ends up being the big villain in the, in the book. So he has access to what he calls or what they call the, or he is the eye. So he has access to what they call the paths, which are, and this is the crux of the issue essentially in the book. So these are separate hyperspace lanes. So the hyperspace lanes in Star Wars, they are all set. They just go to a specific place. You go to hyperspace, you go to this place, you take hyperspace, you go this amount of distance, 
and then you come out at this time and you end up where you need to be. Right. So they have access to different hyperspace lanes. They almost create different lanes. So they can almost go across and they go all kinds of different ways. And um, and that's essentially what caused this crash because one of their ships almost collided with the ship that was in hyperspace already. And they have access to these lanes through a, a one of the uh, Santecas, which I find is very, which I think is yes. very interesting as well. Yes, yes. I heard about this. Yeah, so I have access to this guy Marcian Rowe, uh, who is very creepy. I love, I like how creepy Charles Soule wrote him. He is a very creepy guy. Um, you know, he is. Uh, you know, from the beginning, you can tell he he's he's like very disconnected from everyone. Uh, very, you know, he's kind of just telling people what to do, but he's also like very thoughtful in a like very scary way. Like, like, uh, you know, like the leaders of the group, they'll be like, oh, we have to do this. And they'll be like, don't do that. No, that's stupid. We need to do this because the Jedi are on us and we need to be quiet because this and that. And he has access to these. He's the only one that has access to these paths through this Santeca ancestor, who is a very old woman. He's keeping alive. And... He's saying, "I'll give you the paths if you, if you, you know." And his vote is is all, all, a lot of times it's seen as a deciding vote because when they vote on things, if it ends up being two two with every four of them, whatever the I voted for is what they do. So he has a lot of power uh, in the group. So, um, so a lot throughout the book, he's kind of guiding them and telling them what to do. But you see pretty quickly that he orchestrated this. It's very easy. It's very kind of very clear, even though they don't necessarily say that. It's very clear that he orchestrated this. Um, so it's really menacing what, what they're doing, right? So he has access to this to this uh, elder Santeca. I forget her name. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Uh, uh, and she uh, can see these other hyperspace lanes. I don't know if this is a force ability. Um, I feel like this is something we need to, we're going to get elaborated on at a later time. We'll find out how exactly she's able to do this. But she's able to create other hyperspace lanes and see other hyperspace lanes. And she's like, she's really old. She's like, you gotta be over 100 years old. She's very, very old. The only thing keeping her alive is like all this like medicine and these droids trying to keep her stable. It's a very, it's almost like cruel how this guy's keeping her alive. But he's just keeping her alive just so she can give him these paths, quote unquote, um, or these other separate hyperspace lanes. Uh, that she's creating uh, for his ships to use. So it helps his ships go in and out and complete missions and do runs and things like that, smuggling runs, all kinds of other nefarious things. So in the second part of this book, um, the Nihil uh, are using the paths uh, to threaten uh, people in the galaxy. So it turns out the Great Disaster did not end in just that first part. So those other ship pieces are still popping up in other places in the galaxy. They're just popping up, just out of hyperspace, out of nowhere. They're just popping up in places. And if they land at a place, they'll kill. It's like a meteor, like I said, it's like a meteorite. It'll kill millions of people. So, so they're going to places and saying, oh, well, an emergency is going to pop up here and it's going to destroy your world. I can destroy it for you, but you got to pay me, you know, several trillion credits or whatever, you know. So they're causing a lot of havoc. So at this point, you you can see that, okay, this group, they, they're really dangerous, right? Because they're using these things, and they, who knows, they can do this again right. if they want to do it again. So it's very scary. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy, Marcion Rowe, is kind of like the orchestrator of all this. And, and eventually, he sees that these Tempests, these, these other, the other leaders of the Nihil, are liabilities. And he essentially makes a power play, uh, gets one of them killed. Um, and basically establishes himself as the leader of the group. So, uh, so yeah, it's a very, very bad situation for the Jedi. Uh, throughout all this, the Jedi are meeting with other Santecas to try to find out how this is happening. They're like, how did this happen? You guys are the... Apparently, the Santecas are one of the... one. Of, they're like the... They, like, helped almost create the hyperspace lanes. They're like... They're navigators right. in the Star Wars universe. So... So the Chancellor, Lena So, who I very much enjoy as a character, she has a very regal presence to her, but she's also very human. 
So I think that's really cool. And she has these two cats as well, which I think are, are, are pretty cool as well in terms of the character design. Um, but they're asking the Santecas, hey, so how did this happen? Right? Avar Chris and Elzar Man also kind of tag team the Santecas. They're like, so how did this happen? And Elzar Man, who he's kind of more of a person. He's more personable, I guess, as a Jedi. So he's kind of getting a sense from these people. He's like, they're lying. Because he asked them, and they're like, oh, we don't know. They're like, this this shouldn't even be possible. And he's like, they're lying. Right. He doesn't say so, but he kind of looks at Azar, Avar Chris, and he's like, you know, they're not telling the truth. <laughs> you know. So so they know that something's up, but they're not able to say so because they don't want they don't want to ruffle any feathers. Um so yeah, there's a lot of tension going on in the book. Uh the character loading Great Storm and his and his Padawan Belzedafar. Uh, they're doing a lot of training in the book, a lot of kind of, you see a lot of character development between them. Uh, Loden Greystorm says Belzedifar is ready to be a Jedi because he's a Padawan and all this stuff. And I love the character development. I love the character development of the Jedi in this book. You 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 just grow with them throughout the book. It's very, very well developed. Um, now, towards the end of the book, Loden Greystorm uh, ends up getting captured. He ends up getting straight up captured. And they had already killed several other people in this book in the past. They killed, killed off several other Jedi in, in this book already. So I'm like, wow, so are they going to kill him too? And this happened towards the end of the book. And this is after they already developed him and all that. I'm like, oh, man, they're going to kill him too? Right. So, so there are stakes. There were stakes in this book. It was very, very. It was a very intense situation. They got him chained up, Marshawn Rose interrogating him. I'm like, oh, my God. You know? So it's a very... Uh, they got him all drugged up too, because they use these drugs. That's why they had the, the part of the reason they had these masks, this crazy mask. Because they'll 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 send put shoot harpoons into a ship. They'll have their people go on the ship, and they'll just they won't even go in the ship. They'll just shoot gas into the ship and gas everybody. So if you're not fast enough to react to the gas, even as a force user, you'll end up getting knocked out. And that's how they got loaded. So it's like he, there was nothing you could do. Even as a Jedi, there was nothing you could do, right? So they gassed him, they captured him. And, you know, and it, Loden Greystorm tries to use a Jedi mind trick on him. And he's not even used a Jedi mind trick on him. And it turns out this guy, Marshawn Rowe, has some kind of technique. And he's like, oh, in my family, we were, we were taught how to resist that, that Jedi influence. It was like, oh, wow. What? So this guy's able to resist a Jedi mind trick? Well, is this guy force sensitive? Yeah. So like, does he, is he force sensitive? Is his family force sensitive? Does does his family just is there just a way to counter Jedi powers now? So it's just you know now I know the Jedi mind trick is supposed to only be able to influence you know weaker minds quote unquote right but you know it seemed like this was purposeful from him he he felt the influence and said no like that's you know that's new so I so yeah I'm very intrigued by this book um, yeah I can't go into every little detail. Uh, unfortunately, but that's the crux of the book. Then the last portion of the book called the storm, there's a big final battle, uh, between, uh, the Nihil and, uh, and the Jedi and the Republic in which ships are being, uh, Martian Rowe basically sends his, his Nihil ships. He just, he just basically turns them into kamikaze ships and they're jumping through hyperspace and doing all this crazy stuff in the battle. Yeah. Uh, using the, these paths that he got. So he, it was just, it was just mayhem. His ships are dying. The Jedi ships are dying. The Republic ships are dying. It's a horrible situation. Um, uh, there's a there's also the people from Iriadu uh, that were being threatened by the Nihil. They show up and help in the battle, which Iriadu is Tarkin's homeworld, and they kind of keep that same that same kind of hunter mentality that you see in the Tarkin book, which I very much enjoyed. So they were featured in this in this uh, novel as well. Uh, so there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of pieces. Uh, but overall, I thought it was a great book. I think this is a, doing a great job of setting up Martian Rowe as a villain. Now, it, it's it's clear to me, because they're doing these other these phases, I feel like this is, you know, just to make a comparison to Superheroes of Verge for a second, I feel this is similar to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I feel like, if I, I feel like um, you know, Martian Rowe is like, uh, is like uh, you know, he... he not necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily call him Thanos, but he's he's like uh, he's like Loki, maybe. The, he's All like right. the Avengers one movie villain. Right. right. So he's the initial guy that they're gonna have to go up against. But there's more. There's gonna be more down the line. Right. Um. 
but this is a very good start, I have to say. I like the characters. I like the Jedi. They're characterized really well. Um, does this tell you? Yeah. Well, I was, was going to add, does it tell you, do you feel like this book tells you more about, or does, does this book success, the fact that you like it, does it, do you think it has more to do with you liking the High Republic as a whole so far, or are you just liking Charles Soule's style of writing and feeling like, you know, all right, this one's good, but you're still wait and see on the rest of the High Republic, or does this get you just completely hyped for the rest of the High Republic going forward? I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm sold, but I'm about, about as close to sold as you can be without being fully sold. This is what I wanted. Right. This is what I wanted. This is what I wanted from the sequel trilogy. This <laughs> is what I wanted from right. from. Well, the old Republic we're still going to get, so I'll hold off on that. But this is what I want. I want Jedi being Jedi. Jedi who grew up as Jedi, are trained as Jedi, fighting people who are, who are fighting the Jedi and fighting the Republic because they hate the Republic for whatever reason. Right. And that's the conflict. And build from there, right? I don't... You know, so I feel like that's a very... That's just a, an awesome basis to build from. And that's what they're doing here. We got Jedi, and they changed the motif. They took risks here. Which, again, I love it. They were not afraid to take risks, and it paid off 100,000%. I, I love the aesthetic here. I love it. They're, they're, they have a, the, the golden, you know, kind of just aura here. The different colored lightsabers, golden lightsabers, purple lightsabers, green, blue lightsabers. I mean, just the, the ships, the, they're very much the sense of almost like honor and duty, you know? Again, it really it really stands in stark contrast to the kind of old religion, you know, old Jedi mystic kind of motif that they had going before in the in the original and the prequel trilogy. This is supposed to be, you know, an order, an order of pe of protectors. You know, in the prequels, they're very much seen as kind of, uh, um, you know, really just, just like I said, just strange mystics, strange, you know, clerics. Like here, no, they are they are an order of protectors right. working hand in hand with the chancellor, in and they're not not in a skeptical kind of way, just in a way of they're here, they're a part of the republic. We embrace them, and we all want them to be here to help us. Right. You know, like there's none of this skepticism. This oh, I don't know, Jedi, what's that? Uh, I don't know about no Jedi. You know, no, there's none of that here. So I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm I'm almost sold on it. I need to see more. Obviously, I'm hearing very good things about Claudia Gray's Into the Dark. Um, very good things about Into the Dark. I haven't heard anything bad about, about Into the Dark, so I'm excited to go and jump into that and get into Justina Ireland's book uh, soon. That's a very short book, so I should be finished with that. I'm almost certain I'll be finished with that by the time we record our next show. But that's the next book I'm going to jump into, and after that is going to be Into the Dark. Um, but kind of, what do you think about about this launch? Um, and do you have any any other either questions or, or just thoughts in general about it? Um, it's interesting, you know. I mean, we went into it uh, a couple weeks ago, um, non spoiler, but you know, yeah. Where do you feel like? Um, because obviously when they announced the High Republic, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of uh, vagueness, you know, about what there was a lot were, of vagueness. About yeah. what anything was about. Now the the the, the curtain is, is 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 pulled right. to some extent. Um, do you feel like you have a good idea of what, uh, what is like quote unquote going on, um, or, do you, or do you feel like there's still a lot of mystery uh, in terms of what the overall arc of the of the stories are going to be? Uh, there's still a lot of mystery. A lot of mystery. This is just, I can tell this is just one story. Right. Um, so there's still a lot that's, that I'm sure there's still a lot that's going to happen. Uh, there was a tease at the end where one of the Jedi gets a, has a vision of just Jedi, you know, mutilated and chaos and death and destruction and mayhem. And, you know, there's a lot of questions as to what that, what exactly that is uh, that he saw. Because, I mean, I don't think that's Order 66. I mean, it's probably going to be something else. Right. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it is, um, so, yeah, it's, a, it's still a lot of mystery. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say I have a sense of what the High Republic is, 
but uh, this is a wonderful start. Uh, I mean, it's just it's a great start. I mean, that's really all I can say. This is, a, I think, is a home run start. Uh, not a grand slam, but a home run. It was very good, very good, and I'm very excited to see more. And this is more so about the High Republic in general than this particular book, but I just still find it so interesting how they've invested so much into the visual aspect uh, of the High Republic. You know, you mentioned the the, the the animation that you have, the chart that you have breaking down each character. Uh-huh. Um, it to me, it just suggests that we're going to get these characters in a more visual format outside of books. Um, we know we're going to get comics, we mean, we're yeah. getting comics, but I, I wonder if we're going to get animation or live action content coming in the near future. Well, we know we're getting um, the acolyte, which is supposed to yeah, have some higher public uh, connection. We don't know how much, but we assume it sounds like it's going to be a lot since they put it in the tagline for, for what it's about. Um, and they've worried about an animated series, and that hasn't been confirmed, but there have mm. been rumors about an animated High Republic series out there. So um, do you feel like there's potential for that, and what, how, how do you feel about that? I think there's a lot of potential for that. I think that would be... I mean, if I'm being honest, I feel like that... That, along with something old, anything Old Republic related, would be the kind of spark that that Star Wars needs right now. You know, I feel like they're trying to, to create a basis for that uh, through these books and through the publishing, which I think is wonderful. I think that's a very good starting place because these writers know what they're doing, and they've been very successful thus far, both critically and through the audiences. And with building that kind of fan base that deeper fan base i think it's a very good marketing strategy in terms of building the deeper fan base and then launch using that as a launch pad to create more generally um generally uh you know or just more generally enjoyable uh content for wider audiences people that are not say avid book readers or avid star wars fans uh to consume uh I think a, I think stories like this are very well suited for things like video games, for things like, um, uh, and for things like uh, animation and even live action. Honestly, nowadays with with the with the books or, or with the uh, with the shows we're getting on Disney Plus, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon necessarily. Though I know we're getting Acolyte, which takes place in in the High Republic apparently, but. Um, Huh? No, like, well, the end of the higher Republic era. Well, yeah, at the near end. Near the end. We're near the end. She, yeah, I know. Apparently, Master and Apprentice, the book, is also near the end of the higher Republic. Um, uh, which, I mean, honestly, I've been reading that. I didn't get any particular sense that, oh, this is a totally different era. <laughs> so, I don't know. Right. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, I think, I think we can d- certainly get more live-action content uh, that takes place in, the, in this era as well uh with the effects that they're that they're able to to create uh through disney plus um uh nowadays as well and just again the aesthetic is is just i feel like it lends itself really well to visual any visual medium reading the comic i'm like this is gorgeous so so yeah i i do think it would lend itself very well to that to those mediums uh, but all right, I mean, I, I, that pretty much sums up my review. If I had to give it a score out of 10, I would give the book an 8. Uh, I'd give it an 8.5 out of 10. Honestly, it was, it's a very solid book. It's a very solid book. I do recommend it. Um, the beginning starts out a little bit slow. That's probably the only reason why uh, it's, it's not a higher grade. But the second and third parts are fantastic. It's as good as any other Star Wars book. So, um, so yeah, I, def- I certainly do recommend it. Uh, Kendall, do you have anything else uh, before we wrap up? Uh, no. No, I mean, i just excited to hear more about the higher bubble as we continue to go along. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Not, there's not much else outside of the Bad Batch for 2021, so. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is what we're getting, and I'm excited for it. And uh, uh, it seems like a, a continuous uh, a continuous stream of High Republic stuff, at least through the next few years, so that's really exciting. Uh, that'll do it for this show. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. I also want you guys to check me out on 
um, a show I do with this friend of mine, Zachary Breland, called Geeking Out Over Star Wars. Um, you can find that on all the different places you can you can check out podcasts, so you should definitely check that out. Um, that'll do it for this show. Uh, I'm your host, Shamari, joined by Kendall, and we will see you guys next time. Peace. Everything you went to, and everything you'll get through, just make the force be with you.